When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to a Tuesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. Damon Barr will be proud to know I had a little bit of some of the finest Puerto Rican rum for Super Bowl Sunday. He is grinning ear to ear. Hey, we uh, have a lot to get to. We're loaded up today on Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up, Mitch Sherman. We'll talk uh, some of the Nebraska hires, which uh, we... Had some breaking news on that uh, with Greg Smith yesterday, but uh, pretty pretty cool stuff. We'll uh, uh, expand some of our thoughts on Nebraska's additions. Also, Nebraska basketball to get into. <sighs> the misery continues. Then I don't know where you're at as a Nebraska basketball fan if you have shifted to casual or if it's background, or if you're still diehard. And and if there's more room on the bandwagon, I would not be shocked just because this year has been very difficult from a COVID standpoint, standpoint. and then you have the shutdown, and then they they just can't put it together yet. So uh, we'll hear from Coach Hoiberg here in a little bit. Rick Kaczynski joins us, get his take on the Super Bowl. And uh, then in hour two, Shaquille Barrett is a phenomenal story. Shaquille Barrett and his older brother uh, relocated from Baltimore, Maryland, with some tough circumstances and ended up at Boys Town. And Shaquille Barrett was an all-state football player, a wrestler, spent a year at UNO. UNO was... uh, uh, a decision was made to no longer have football. So Shaquille Barrett ended up at Colorado State. The rest is history through his hard work. Uh, between being an undrafted guy out of Colorado State that caught the Broncos' eye and a couple of practice squad seasons with some uh, time on the active roster for Shaquille Barrett. And, and, <laughs> and then Shaquille Barrett ends up getting a starting spot with Denver, and Jason Light says, we like that dude off the edge, so let's go sign him as a free agent. And 19 and a half sacks later, Shaquille Barrett gets a you know $15 million deal. Uh, Shaquille Barrett was so big for Tampa last year, so critical this year, along with Pierre Paul and Sue and that entire front. Uh, Shaquille Barrett's Football and wrestling coach Aaron Groff will be with us to tell some of Shaquille's story and just the from from point A at Boys Town to 
where we're at right now, and that's being a two-time Super Bowl champ. So some feel-good with uh, Aaron Groff on Shaquille Barrett and his attitude about life, despite having uh, some tough situations. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Those are the numbers to join. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Always feel free to email us uh, on the email line, chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us, follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and at Damon Barr. That's two R's for Damon. So we, we spent time yesterday on, on Marcus Castro Walker and a little bit on Keenan Lowe. This is an excerpt from, from game day on Keenan Lowe. And in his own words, because Keenan Lowe was at a couple of different Portland high schools, he was the head football coach, and he made uh, national fame by being a stand-up, look danger in the eye, and save lots of people with his job as security and head coach. Uh, Keenan Lowe prevented a school shooting. You've seen stuff on social media about that. Here is Keenan Lowe with his Sports Center sit down slash game day sit down a couple of years back. A couple of moments you need to hear about what Nebraska is getting with their offensive analyst. I get a call to go grab a student and please bring him to our uh, counseling office. So I'm walking towards that classroom. You know, basically, as soon as I'm done asking if he's here, the door pops up and uh, that young man was standing right there at the door. First thing I see is is him open his jacket and him pull a big gun out of it. All the kids just start screaming and then hearing all the desks start to flip over and as they all run out, I just acted. I just went. I just moved forward. Second part of that. Door opens and as soon as it kind of opens, I was able to get the gun away. And then the kid uh, starts to break down. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody. That's what he said to me. I just wanted to hurt myself. He goes on to say, nobody cares about me. And uh, I told him I care about him. I think he needed a hug more than he needed to be tackled to the ground. You know, I told him I was there for a reason. I was there to save him. You could have died. Yeah. That wasn't my time, though. So check that out on on. YouTube, it's Keenan Lowe and the guy's football background with Chip Kelly and Scott Frost and as a receiver at Oregon, well-documented, but his heroics really important and who hasn't dreaded the the topic of school shooting. It, it just, it sucks. It's horrific. And he's staring that right in the face with compassion and, <laughs> uh, Character is so big on a football team, and, and you hired a lot as just an analyst. Bill Bush. Uh, I want to spend a couple more minutes with Bill Bush. George Darlington will join us tomorrow. And and Coach Darlington, one of Bill Bush's mentors uh, when it came to coaching, and Bill Bush, a GA under, under Coach Osborne, obviously a secondary coach and special teams guy with Bill Callahan. And the recruiting connections are huge. And the the impact, and we'll get into this with Mitch Sherman a little bit, but the impact, while Bill Bush can't 
go out on the road and recruit, and he's an analyst, and he's still getting paid by LSU $450,000. That's why he can take a, an analyst job at thirty six k a year. He's got his wife and, and, her, and, and three kids here in Lincoln, so location's so huge, and he's wanted to get back to Lincoln for a while, and he's a hell of a quality coach, and he is going to be able to have his voice expressed when it comes to the kicking game. Bill Bush's money with the kicking game and drilling home that point of punting and field goals and return and coverage, and you've got to be a two out of three for 2021 in Nebraska football at least six times next year. Two out of the three phases, you got to win. You got to win. And that's how you win in the Big Ten. You got to be great in special teams and win the head to head, either offensively or defensively. You're not always going to win all three phases. You're not always going to win the offensive phase. That's been a struggle for Nebraska football. Maybe less of a struggle next year with a heavy dose of run game and an offensive line you feel good about. But man, if you get special teams and you get the defense that's feeling pretty confident, get some more from your offense. Maybe you hit that six win number. Doesn't look promising because of Nebraska's schedule, but we'll see, right? You got winter conditioning, spring football, and then fall camp, and then the season. Bill Bush, though, his impact is going to be nice. Also, his familiarity, right? He's coached at Wisconsin, he's coached at Ohio State, he's coached at Rutgers. And just his connections from a recruiting standpoint are going to be nice. So while technically he can't go on the road, he, uh, I, I would think, would be able to put Nebraska in touch in place with some some pretty big-time people. Uh, Nebraska basketball, uh, where do we start? Well, 79-61, Huskers uh, were beaten. Minnesota covered. If you're wondering, it was 10 and a half. So Nebraska did their their tease thing where they are getting walloped and then they come back and then they put a run together. And listen, that's encouraging that there's still some effort, there's still some fight, and there needs to be. But at this point in the year, there's a lot of teams that have checked out. Minnesota, team that's shot horrifically, we're talking 40%. They started 9 for 13, and then Minnesota – Missed 17 shots. That's the part where you just have to to laugh hysterically or psychotically with Minnesota as a team that missed 17 straight shots last night and still won 79-61. to 61. And Nebraska is the same team that busted their ass to cut it down to an eight-point deficit seven a couple of times and had three possessions. To get it down to five. They were still in the ball game with about six and change left. And Nebraska did okay in the paint. And then they didn't do great in the paint in some instances. They were three of fifteen from three. They had eighteen turnovers. And it's it's some of your best athletes that are making tough decisions. And I look at McGowan and and I look at him and I'm like, God, he is he is a phenomenal athlete he is tough he's quick twitch and nebraska's got a possession right there and what happens man he there's a traveling call and then there's a highlight last night where they inbound the ball and it's like they're purposely throwing it to minnesota and they're not 
the big elephant in the room's, you know, Teddy Ballgame, Teddy Allen. What's going to happen with him? Because he was benched. And it was a failure to live up to expectations decision. And good. If he's pissing you off in the locker room, you need to make that call. You need to throw down the gauntlet. You need to sit him. Very tough ball game against Michigan State, one for 10. But Nebraska has too many guys making too many stupid decisions and not passing the basketball. Um, Fred Hoiberg's getting irritated. Fred Hoiberg's getting frustrated. Fred Hoiberg, bless his heart, and he should be. I have no doubt he is coaching and teaching what to do and how to do. Eventually, you're going to lose your mind and go off if guys keep jacking around and doing their own thing. And that's part of the problem when you bring in a bunch of transfer dudes. You can bring in transfers. That is college basketball, and that's college football now. But if, if you need to have some sort of baseline or s- cement poured with, with some high school kids. And I don't know, chicken or egg, to get some good high school kids here, you need to start winning. So how do you win? Well, you go get the, the best talent you can bring into your program, and you hope it meshes and gels. And it's been an awkward and interesting season uh, for Nebraska basketball. Fred Hoiberg last night after the game, how do you get the offense moving because they're just not hitting shots again from three? We have to take care of the ball. I mean, we're just driving into a pile. Every day in practice, I do about five simple play drills where we drive it in, converge on the ball, jump stop, reverse pivot, pass the ball with two hands, catch the ball with two hands, drive the next one, come to a jump stop, draw the defense, make the play. But we're just driving that thing into a pile right now. And, you know, it's beyond frustrating because when we move it, we're pretty damn good. And when we trust it and the guys have that level of trust out there, we're pretty damn good. The proverbial pile. We're talking Nebraska basketball, and we're talking about driving into piles. That's That sucks. And they have lost now 24 straight games in the Big Ten. And that thing was mentioned more than once last night on the broadcast. Coach Beeline, he's like, damn it, I'm out of the NBA. I want to be coaching in major college basketball again. I'm doing a game via remote, and this is the game me and Rever get. You want to talk about, like, drawing the short straw? Having to do a Nebraska basketball broadcast and and put up with their offense, or more so their decision-making. And, and Fred's going to go off. It, Fred's going to lose his mind, and he should. More from Fred on turnovers. The unfortunate thing, when I look at it, Chris, I mean, you know, we had nine turnovers in our last game against Indiana. We had eight against Michigan. We had nine against Wisconsin. Uh, and then these two games back, you go 17 Michigan State, 18 tonight. Uh, you couple that with 16 offensive rebounds. And that's, you know, you can't give a team that many extra chances. You know, we're not good enough. We have a very fine margin to win these games and you know we're not giving ourselves a chance with all these turnovers and they're mostly careless you know effort one's fine I'm okay with that if it's an effort turnover but it's just mindless mental mistakes you know that we need to correct and then I thought we were doing a better job of after uh, you know a lot of games early where we had too many but you know if you have a negative assist to turnover ratio like we have uh, you know it's tough to win (laughs) mindless turnovers Uh, more on the fix here that needs to happen
you know, we got to find a way to fix it. That, to me, is as important as anything because when we, again, share the ball and move it, uh, generally we have good possessions. And then, again, you know, free throws. I think we've we've attempted more free throws than our opponent in league, and we haven't won a damn game. And we shoot 25 again today to 22 for them. You know, you outshoot Michigan State, you know, generally one of the more physical teams in the country, and we outscored them by 20 to paint. So we're doing some good things. You know, we have to shoot better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but to me – you know, if we don't fix the turnover problem, it, it's not going to be very fun. And then the rebounding, you know, I thought we hit, even though Michigan State out-rebounded us, I really thought we made an effort to go cut out and, uh, and hit and, and play physical basketball. And that showed with the numbers and the paint and get to the free throw line. Lat's important when he picks up three fouls like he did in the first half uh, tonight. You know, that takes our best shooter off the court and they can shrink it in there. And that's when we had uh, our turnover problems. Nine missed free throws last night, 16 of 25. They missed, what, 13 or 14 against Sparty? So they are doing the work. They're being physical, but they're just hitting the back iron. Mitch Sherman's next. A tale of varsity on a Tuesday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen. on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. You read him with The Athletic. Follow Mitch on Twitter, at Mitch Sherman. So, the Mitch Sherman 40 time, walking his pup in the morning. How, how much have you improved your time? Well, I'm not even going out to do that. Um... I guess you have to, to uh, take care of certain business, but we're just like letting him out on the, uh, on the patio and hoping he finds a patch of snow and is smart enough to not wander away. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 you know, of course, keeping an eye on the little guy. I don't think he can get very far. There's like a foot of snow uh, spread across the backyard. So it's, uh, and he's, you know, smart enough to come back inside. But uh, there's no 40 time being measured outside right now. Um, I can tell you that because I'm going fewer than 40 yards uh, on on any uh, individual trip uh, into the the cold. Warmth advice from Mitch Sherman. There we go. Nebraska able to make uh, three different hires for football. Marcus Castro-Walker, a name we had kind of heard of uh, from previous ties with Scott Frost in Central Florida and, and Arizona State with Herm Edwards. Keenan Lowe, a guy who spent time with Chip Kelly in the NFL and, and also played for Frost and, and Kelly at Oregon and fabulous not only head coach but human in high school with what he did to disarm a, a school shooting situation. Bill Bush, full circle with uh, Bill Bush back in Lincoln. I want to start with Bill. And what do you remember about Bush and his time with Callahan? And what's it mean for, for Nebraska to bring him on as an analyst? What do you think Bill Bush has left in coaching? Yeah, you know, he was an all-business guy during those years with Callahan. You know, not somebody who uh, schmoozed a ton with the media, was polite and, and um, enjoyable to talk to about the Nebraska safeties back in those uh, in those days. And, you know, has gone on to work a ton of places, has been at – at Wisconsin, um, he's been at Ohio State, and then most recently at LSU, where he was credited with bringing Joe Burrow to Baton Rouge from Columbus. So fairly significant uh, there for for Bill Bush in 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 landing the Heisman winner 
and uh, number one overall pick in the draft who took the Tigers to a national championship a couple of years ago, coached guys like Grant Delpit in the secondary, and then was was not going to come back um, under Ed Orgeron in 2021. So he was looking for something, and Nebraska you know, has been a rumored destination at times for Bill Bush over the last several years because of his connections to the state of Nebraska. Of course, he's from Nebraska, worked for Tom Osborne as a GA in the 90s. Um, his wife has been in Lincoln um, for several years. Um, I believe Bill and, and his wife have been married for, for about two years. So it makes sense for him to make his way back here. And as a defensive analyst, you know, a completely different kind of role than what he did at LSU and what he's used to doing through his college um, career. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. If this is a one-year thing and he's looking to rehabilitate his, his, uh, his coaching career and, you know, get back somewhere. But, you know, I get the sense that at, at the stage of his career that he wants to be in Lincoln. Um, and so this makes sense for him from that sense. And uh, perhaps something will open up on that Nebraska uh, defensive staff, if somebody moves on in, in, in an offseason ahead. I'm not talking about this year. I don't think that that, uh, that happens here in 2021 at this point, but maybe 2022 or 2023. And it'll be interesting to see also with Bush how he's able to help Nebraska in recruiting because that's been so much of his strength over his career. Uh, more than what he's done on the field, he's been known as a great recruiter. And, of course, as an analyst, you can't go on the road to recruit except in unusual circumstances where your staff is down a coach. Um, you know, I don't think Nebraska is going to be able to put him out on the road. Um, but he can recruit on campus. So when we get this moratorium lifted and guys are coming on official and unofficial visits, I think Bill Bush can be somebody who's an asset to the Nebraska program and recruiting. And he can do a lot now on campus in communicating with guys um, in ways that are new in the past year. So he can make phone calls, he can be on Zooms, he can communicate with these guys on, on virtual visits. And then, and then now, as you build your roster, there's so much more that's being done through the transfer portal, and those don't necessarily involve official visits and unofficial visits in the same way that it does with recruiting. So I think Bill Bush can be an asset and a factor for Nebraska in, uh, in building up its roster over the next year because of the skills that he has as a recruiter, even while, while, while stuck on campus. That's the, the first thing I think of with, with Bill Bush, and, and I know he's been a, a, at a lot of stops. Mitch Sherman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. But he's landed some pretty big fish uh, to different programs, be it Alex Smith. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, his time in, in Lincoln as well, and Prince Mukamara comes to mind. I know that uh, the borough get was was something fierce and uh, I think you're right on with with what he can do for Nebraska and you know there are there are members of Nebraska's current staff that they've been courted right Mitch so why not have somebody potentially in your back pocket if somebody decides to move on yeah I'm I'm sure that's in the back of Scott Frost's mind but you know I know I know he expects to keep this entire staff intact. And, you know, now that we're getting well into February, this is not usually a time where, where moves are made. You, you know, most of the, of the change has occurred. I know there's still 
Um, there's still some movement out there on the college football landscape. UCF is still looking for a coach. There are, of course, guys on the Nebraska staff with deep roots at UCF. So perhaps uh, someone else is going to get courted. Um, don't expect it necessarily. Um, and, and like I said, I don't think that Bill Bush is coming here to be put into a full-time defensive position this year in 2021. But, but down the road, that's a possibility. He is still going to be paid another year at a salary of $450,000 from LSU. So the urgency is not necessarily there from a financial standpoint for him to get right back in as, uh, as an FBS assistant. What, uh, what do you make of the, the Keenan low hire? Well, you know, totally different than Bill Bush in that he's on the, the, the beginning swing of his career, has coached at the high school level as a head coach, um, has been at UCLA under Chip Kelly for the past year, has done some work in the NFL with Chip Kelly, and of course has the roots at Oregon with Frost and with Lubick. So there's all kinds of connections. He knows this offense that Nebraska runs, and, and he was an accomplished receiver while with the Ducks himself not, not long ago as a player. So he's going to be able to step in and help a group of receivers that's high on talent, according to Scott Frost, but low on experience. So you need uh, somebody else in addition to Lubick or anybody else who you get in addition to Lubick to come in and help those receivers quickly adjust to what they're going to see at this, at this power five level is extremely important because for Adrian Martinez and that Nebraska offense to be effective in the passing game, they have to upgrade the work that the receivers have done. Um, and, you know, they've started to do that for sure, or more than started to do it. They've done it with the building that they've done on, on, the, on the roster side of things, uh, the signing of the three receivers this year, the receivers that Nebraska signed a year ago, the transfer of Samari Toure um, from, from Montana. All of these things are going to help Nebraska get bigger and more capable to get down the field and catch passes from their quarterback. And another coach – in the in the office, another coach to go over film with these guys and, and talk with them about how they fit into this particular scheme yeah, could could be beneficial for Nebraska to more quickly come along at a place on the roster where it needs to grow up in a hurry. Mitch Sherman's with us uh, from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you find him. Mitch, your takeaway with the Super Bowl and uh, not only uh, what Tampa did, but the Nebraska names, man, the, uh, they're still smiling, I think, that, that a title was won in Tampa. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing Levante David and Ndamukong Sue uh, and Jason Light as the general manager, you know, Khalil Davis playing a reserve role on that defensive line. So many Nebraska connections to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So uh, it was really the defense that did it. I mean, of course, Brady gets the MVP because he's Brady and, and he did his thing and, and – and did it well and outplayed Patrick Mahomes, which is crazy at age 43. But you know, that defense deserved the MVP trophy. You know, they might as well have given it to the to the captain. Is is what I, I um, you know tweeted in the, in the fourth quarter of that game when it was apparent that Tampa was going to win. Um, Levante was was all over Travis Kelsey. So that was impressive to see, and, and it was really cool to see him get some love after the game to see that moment that he had on the field with Tom Brady. I watched him on, on good morning America yesterday morning, David uh, Sue of course had the big uh, pressure and I, I believe it was a sack of Mahomes uh, late in the game. So lots of uh, lots of Nebraska 
connections and, and success by those, uh, especially those two guys on the Nebraska defense. It was, um, it was nice to see. And, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, they're going to be okay in Kansas city. I see Mahomes is having, is having surgery on that, on that toe now, but I, I think there are, uh, are plenty of bright days ahead for, for him and that offense. You ever run out of gas? Yeah, I've run out of gas. I ran out of gas one time um, on the way to cover a Nebraska baseball game in uh, in Wichita on a, on like a Tuesday night. I was with Kurt McKeever, the old uh, Lincoln Journal star writer, and we were trying to uh, to get into town to cover. Oh, it was probably a, probably a Mike Anderson coach team uh, in the post Van Horn years. Um, and yeah, we ran out of gas uh, on a well. I think we ran out of gas on an exit ramp, and we had to run over to a gas station and buy a gas a gas tank, fill it up, and it wasn't as bad. But, you know, it, it was it was like Levante, and that we had somebody there to help us out. So good for him, and ha- you know, he's a Super Bowl champ, so he better have somebody who's there to help him out, so he can get to the studio and be able to talk to Robin Roberts on uh, on morning TV. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman uh, with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, more from Mitch. We'll. Uh... Hang on the line and, and have more from Mitch Sherman here. We'll talk a little more Sue and Super Bowl coming up. A reminder here with your friends at the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. There's over 1,500 crashes each year in Nebraska involving an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or highs never acceptable. And law enforcement officers working every day to stop uh, before more are killed or injured. If you're going to drive, don't drink. If you do drink, designate a sober driver or get a ride share. A DUI costs more than you think. This message brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More with Mitch Sherman, Rick Kaczynski, and then Shaquille Barrett's coach in high school at Boys Town. The Shaquille Barrett story from Aaron Groff next hour. More from Mitch Sherman next on Hale Varsity Radio. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Do you think Sue is is back for another season? Yeah, what's his contract status? Is he, is he up this year? Can I, he can he leave as a free agent? I believe he can. I believe Levante needs to be re-upped. I think... Uh, Shaq Barrett needs to be re-upped. I mean, yeah. so wow. a lot of one or two year deals, but it it could happen. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Tampa's going to be able to keep all of those guys. I mean, Sue's getting close to the end of this thing, um, and he and you know he's maybe slowing down a little bit with with the number of snaps that he can play. Um, but when that when that motor gets revved, um, you know he can still do it for for shorter periods of time than what we saw you know back in two thousand and nine in Nebraska or early in his NFL career. Um, you know, he's still a, a, a train, uh, a locomotive coming at the quarterback that that guy does not want to see, uh, even at this age, what, 11, 12 years into his NFL career. Um, I believe he has twins on the way. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, that <laughs> will be interesting um, as, a, as a potential factor in, in, in what he wants to do, you know, where he wants to be, uh, where his wife wants to be, where they want to raise those kids. Um, you know they may all uh, they may all give it another go for a year in Tampa if uh, if if the Bucks and their uh, their owners have deep pockets. Uh, the um, the Glazer family um, also owns, uh, I believe, Manchester United of mm-hmm. the Premier League. So 
they can dish out some cash, I would imagine, if they can find a way to sit, un- sit under the, uh, the salary cap. Why not bring them all back together and let that defense do it one more time? I mean, the, the, uh, the, the window is obviously closing with mm-hmm. Tom Brady. So keep that defense, I think. So <laughs> oh, maybe he's got 10 more years. Keep that defense intact and see if he can make another run at it. Those, uh, those Huskers, those ex-Huskers for sure were a huge part. I, I just don't want to be the guy lined up across from Sue if he's, see- if he's sleep-deprived and ticked off, you know, <laughs> with, uh, with, with the Twins. Mitch Sherman's yeah. with us uh, from the Athletic Alevar City Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, did, did you ever have a chance to, before we say goodbye, Spend any time with uh, with Marty Schottenheimer or get a Marty story at all? I know he passed away, and uh, same with Pedro Gomez, uh, phenomenal reporter with ESPN uh, Sports World. Lost a couple of great ones. For sure, yeah. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't have time close with Marty. I heard a lot of stories though. I had a good friend who worked for the Chiefs in their video department in the Marty days, and used to tell funny stories about Marty. And I read a great one. Uh, online today from Bob Kravitz, uh, a coworker of ours, uh, of mine at the athletic in Indianapolis. And he wrote about his days in, in, uh, at a newspaper, I, I assume the plane dealer or one of the newspapers in, in, uh, Northeast Ohio in Cleveland when Marty was with the Browns and, and, uh, told the story, you can find it on Bob's, uh, Twitter feed, but, uh, of, of Bob sticking up for a, a coworker who had criticized Marty and then, and Bob, Got a call into uh, into Schottenheimer's office about an hour later. Thought it was going to be a you know a bad deal where he got yelled at and 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 Marty just wanted to uh, to commend him and pat him on the back for sticking up for his his coworker and ended up uh, emotional and and in tears over the whole thing. So you know I think that speaks to to who who Marty was. Um, wore it on his sleeve for sure. You know had had his critics was not perfect in everything he did, but he was human. In so many in so many ways, um, n- you know, nothing but respect uh, for him. I, I had nothing but respect for him in, in the stories that I heard from the people I knew who spent time around him. But I, no, I never did. Um, I, I did get to go on the sideline once uh, my, when when my buddy worked for the Chiefs on a Monday night football game and run uh, run video pictures to assistant coaches. Um, and I believe that was certainly during uh, during the Marty Marty years. Um, but surprisingly, he did not have time to stop by and say hello to me. This is like uh, the late 90s to stop by and say hello and, and, uh, and chat it up with uh, 20-something-year-old Mitch. Um, <laughs> as far as um, uh, Pedro, um, yeah, just like shocking news. And I didn't know him either, but we were coworkers at ESPN or didn't know him well. I, I met him, I think, and saw him for sure at the CWS in 2016 when his son was there with Arizona. And I just remember the, the story on ESPN at the time of him taking time off and just being a dad in the stands and how proud he was of his son to watch his son pitch on the biggest stage or play, be a participant on the biggest stage in, in college baseball and, you know, knowing what that event means to parents and, and to players, it was, it was fun to see. And, uh, you know, I believe his son is, uh, is, or was, uh, in the Red Sox organization. So tons of former coworkers and, and, you know, people who I work with now at the athletic who knew, um, Pedro have been, uh, have been pouring out the, um, you know, kind words about him this week. So, 
um, yeah, a, a tough uh, double whammy in the sports world this week with those two losses. Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. Mitch, uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, thanks, Chris. Take care. Got to love Marty Schottenheimer, man. Marty Ball was just fun. And I, I really enjoyed the social media messages about Marty Schottenheimer, uh, be it Tony Dungy or Drew Brees or Philip Rivers or Christian Okoye or Bernie Kosar, a guy we talked to last week that we, we enjoy spending time with, Sarah Warfield. And it was a heartfelt thank you from Warfield to Schottenheimer for taking a chance on him uh, as a late-round pick. And Marty won so many ball games, man. And uh, this was his first staff in 1990 in Kansas City after a great run in Cleveland that just got John Elwood, quite frankly. Bill Cower was his defensive coordinator. Tony Dungy, defensive backs coach. Bruce Arians was his running backs coach. And then you also had Al Saunders on that staff. And I'll always, like, one of the flashbulb football moments for me was that AFC championship game with John Elway, Denver, and the drive where it's cold and you can see Elway's breath. And I'm not a huge Denver fan, but, man, I love big-time moments, and Elway had a lot of them. And the the drive and the finish for Denver to get to that Super Bowl. But Kevin Mack was a hell of a running back in Cleveland for a lot of years. And, of course, the fumble. Uh, and this is Kevin Mack with Schottenheimer. Marty probably saw in me, you know, more ability than I was showing when I first got here to Cleveland. So he kind of rode me. Uh, first couple of years, he wrote me, I, I'm not going to say real hard, but he, he let me know and he thought I could do better. Just keep running and picking and looking because there's going to be some holes created. There. We just, we're, we're getting it we're a little distorted right now, but we're going to be fine. So that was, that was Ernest Biner. Do we have time for Kevin Mack? That, that was Kevin Mack. That was Kevin Mack. Okay. Uh, this was really cool with, uh, with Reggie Langhorn. Because Reggie's one of those guys that was catching the football a ton. We have time? All right. Reggie Langhorn remembering uh, Coach Schottenheimer. Marty was one of those guys that could get in the mind of a young person as myself, and he could make me think that I could do better than I did. He made me feel like I was a part of the organization. He made us believe in what he said was real. Uh, you know, I'm sure all the other guys told you he loves to cry, uh, which, you know, a head coach crying just makes you love him even more, you know. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Yes, there is, man. NFL Films. Love them some Marty Schottenheimer. Rest in peace, Coach Marty. And I love Smash Mouth Marty Ball. Great career, wonderful family, and uh, gone too soon. We'll wind down our one at Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. The one thing that makes this such a great game you can talk all you want, but when you step across the white stripe, the only thing that matters is that six inches between your backbone and your breastbone. Marty Schottenheimer, heart. That's what Marty's talking about, and uh, outpouring of uh, thoughts and 
Well wishes to his family with Marty passing away. Winding down hour one, a tale of our city radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We'll uh, spend time with Rick Kaczynski. Thoughts on the Super Bowl here in about 10 minutes. And then uh, our sit down with Aaron Groff. Aaron uh, is uh, head of admissions at Boys Town. But Aaron was the wrestling and football coach at Boys Town when uh, Shaq Barrett, Shaquille Barrett, uh, roamed the sidelines at Boys Town, uh, an all-state uh, performer. Uh, Shaquille obviously ended up at UNO and then Colorado State and has been making life miserable for multiple quarterbacks uh, when in Tampa. And really cool story of perseverance and uh, work ethic from Shaquille Barrett, guy that was undrafted, a guy that found his way to Denver uh, post-draft and just found a way on a practice squad and just keeps on working He's been rewarded. Two Super Bowl championships, but he's had to earn every step. Really dominant player. And uh, what a find by GM Jason Light for Tampa. 19 and a half sacks a season ago. Eight sacks this year. But you, you pair that postseason number of sacks and how important Barrett was against Green Bay. Got after uh, Mahomes uh, along with Pierre Paul in the Super Bowl. You factor in what Sue did, and then Levante. So, yeah, really, really cool. Numbers to get in, 466 can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. And at Damon Barr, that's two R's for Damon Barr. Uh, we'll dive into a little bit of a crop report. Uh, early February, what's the NCAA tournament bracket look like for the Big Ten? Uh, who's just in right now? Who's on the outside looking in? And how many Big Ten squads do you think can get in? We'll spend time reacting a little bit more info here on Bill Bush and what he'll do for Nebraska, his impact, and some really cool moments on Keenan Lowe and uh, what he's been able to do. Uh, not only as a high school security guard, but his time at the college level. So uh, some college basketball on the horizon, some news and notes in the NFL, some more college football, and uh, plenty of of NFL uh, reaction here from Coach Kaczynski as uh, he'll be with us. So it's garbage outside with the the temperature and – you know, you got a bunch of dudes on that Tampa team that I know they played in 70-plus degrees, but wasn't that long ago they are in Green Bay, and I know it was near 30. But you got a bunch of dudes on that Tampa squad that just probably aren't sleeve wearers. Know what I mean? And uh, we'll find out about a, a tough guy mentally and physically in Shaquille Barrett with uh, his high school coach from Boys Town. Good to be with you on a Tuesday podcast find us itunes spotify google play and herdadmedia.com with hail varsity hour two coming up rick kaczynski next hail varsity presented by the nebraska lottery 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back to it at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in, Coach Rick Kaczynski, Nebraska, and, of course, Iowa. Kaz, uh, Super Bowl, it's uh, it's done. Now we look towards spring ball. How would how'd your Sunday treat you? Yeah, it was pretty good, man. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, always uh, good to catch up with you every Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, sat down. Uh, I think I can't remember what uh, what what sport get crossed up here between. We're we're now in uh, in hoops, travel baseball, track, and travel volleyball. So I can't even I can't even keep track, Schmitty. So uh, just just getting to Sunday is an accomplishment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, had a chance to sit down, uh, watched it with uh, watched it with the kids, and. Uh, yeah, it was good. I fell asleep about halftime and woke up. I think it was twenty-eight to nine, and asked my son what the hell happened. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was uh, it was a heck of a game. So I uh, was glad to, glad the Bucks came on on top, and glad uh, glad got some Huskers with some Super Bowl rings. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see Sue have the game he had, and Levante David was just incredible in coverage. Uh, with with what he was able to do from a physicality standpoint against Kelsey, safeties were a million miles off, so Tariq Hill couldn't get deep. But something you preached throughout your career, and you've watched a lot of guys on Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, and the ability to keep a guy like Mahomes contained. Uh, Tampa did a wonderful job of it after a couple initial scrambles. All right. But it, it was uh-huh. re, it was really a, t- a tough day, tough night for for Patrick Mahomes, and he's he's truly awesome. But speak to what what the defensive line was able to do when it comes to their discipline, because that's so key. Well, you know, there's um, <laughs> when when people say, "Oh, hey, it's it's simple, it's an easy game," and I I used to laugh at uh, at coaches and folks that would tell players on the field, don't think, well, you're, you're thinking every play. you got to plan every play. And, um, you know, what separates the, the great players, in my opinion, the great coaches, and getting guys to the next level is understanding how it all ties in. You know, there's no dumb D linemen. The D linemen, you know, the ones that I coached, and it was, it was demanded by the coordinators that I – was fortunate to learn football under and coach for and coach with, you know, you had to know what all 11 guys were doing. So, you know, in order to keep a quarterback contained, especially one like Patrick Mahomes, you better know what the coverage is. You better know what's behind you. You better know if they're playing man, if it's a, if it's a two deep five under. So, you know, on that level, it's a necessity. That's why guys last long in that league. You know, the guys who last long, they're unselfish. And, um, you know, just like same thing with Levante. Uh, when you look at that coverage, obviously none of us are in the game plan meetings. 
But, you know, he was able to be physical, and that's what the NFL allows you to do from the first five yards, and obviously he's athletic enough. But I guarantee he knew where he had help. You know, he, had, he didn't have to cover those guys, um, you know, 53 and a third and, and uh, you know, 50 yards behind them either. So he could be physical. He knew where his help was. He knew where to, you know, where to lead the receiver and, uh, and, and when to, to, to shoot his gun and when to play a little bit soft and, and those type of things. And that's, 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 what it, that's what being a pro's about. And, you know, uh, it's, it's not necessarily about getting sacks. Uh, and I guarantee you that a lot of times the sacks, the guys who are credited for the sacks, the other guys did all the work. You know, sometimes you just have freaks of nature beat, beat guys off the edge, but that's rare. Once you get into college, once you get in the NFL, it's, it's guys have jobs and guys are disciplined and they understand what the other 10 guys are doing. And, and that's, what's, that's why Sue has lasted in the league so long. And that's why Levante and those guys have had success in different systems under different coaches. Um, you know, it's a thinking man's game, and those guys are smart Huskers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why they're successful. That's why, you know, both of them got an opportunity. Obviously, Sue will be in the Hall of Fame. I, I hope finally Levante gets the recognition he deserves. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's just great to see because those are, those are smart football players. They love the game, and, and what I love about them is, you know, you got guys that just that do they do right, man, in, uh, in a world that really doesn't do a whole lot of right these days. It's good to see guys like that, like that have the stories written about, not these other clowns that are doing touchdown dances. So it was just great to see that. Rick Kaczynski is with us, Hale City Radio. Kaz, uh, you and I have a, a common – thing that we both kind of get a kick out of and that's uh the mafia and over the years uh we've had a chance to interview michael franzis on the show and his story about getting out of the mob and, and i know you're familiar with franzis's work but what got you fascinated in 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 the mafia man i know that the movies are all classics or many of them are but that's something we both uh during off air, we'll spend a, a few minutes talking about. Well, Schmidt, uh, you know, growing up in in Western PA industrial town, yeah. If, <laughs> if yeah, when I was when I was a kid, you know, you always heard you know, all the old timers who who are like my age, uh-huh. you know, now. But uh, when I was a kid, you, it, you, if if there's water, there's crime, and I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. You know, it's not as many cops on on uh, on the water in Lake Erie, and uh, you know, you know where I grew up. You're, um, you know, you're right. You're not too far from Detroit. I mean, you got Detroit, Cleveland, Erie, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and um, Erie sits dead center in the middle of um, of Cleveland. Pittsburgh and Buffalo, and uh, you know there's some there's some shady characters. Um, there's some shady characters in those towns, and you know have family ties to uh, to Detroit. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's just part of that. You know, when you grow up in those areas, you know there's there's always a guy, there's always room. I mean, let's be honest, anybody who whose name ends in an O or an I, right? Yeah. And first name Joey. You know, oh man, that guy's in the mom or has mom connections. So. Uh, I think, <laughs> you know, uh, 
Hey, there was a there was a there was a restaurant my, we we frequent we uh, we went about once a week with my family in downtown area. It was called Barbados. It was one of those joints where they they did the pizzas in the window, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. uh, probably now I look back now, the Department of Health probably should have shut it down about forty years ago. But uh, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you just feeding your face. You want a Dr Pepper and a a slice of pie but next door was a uh, was a cigar shop called D's and D auditory was uh, was the guy who ran it and um, and my my father knew D and my my uh, my old man knew some folks from the downtown Y and his handball his handball buddies um, so I, I I was fortunate man my dad took me everywhere my brother took me everywhere so I was kind of uh, kind of an old soul. I, I I I wouldn't say look up to those guys, but those guys were like my entertainment growing up. You know, going to the D, D cigar store. And I remember that smell. I remember my dad telling me, "Don't look at that guy." Right. I remember my dad telling me, "Don't, don't look at the magazines." I mean, just just this like fear of like just doing wrong, right? And uh, and then you know you, you, these these numbers guys, the color grandies, and all you know, like I love these guys, right? And uh, you know they, these are my guys, and, and I just love those. You know, you'd leave a place, and my dad would before you even knew what the hell any of this stuff. Yeah, hey. That guy runs numbers. That guy does this. That guy's done. he's a great guy. He does this. <laughs> and and uh, my man Sparks. My man Sparks works the dock. So you know we got our school shoes relatively. Uh, we got Schmitty. We got our school shoes on sale. So uh, from my man Sparks. <laughs> but you know when you grow up in those areas, you think everybody grows up like that. Then you go, you know, you grow up, you go to college, you move, and you realize that. Uh, it's a very, very unique time and very unique place. But just like everything else, it's very romanticized in the movies. And uh, there's not too many, not too many endings. But, uh, you know, when I was not, not too many good uh, Roy mm-hmm. Rogers uh, in uh, <laughs> endings, people riding off in the sunset. But, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I'd have those recruiting, um, recruiting uh, plane, plane rides, you know, I'd pick up a book and, mm-hmm. uh whether it's something from Bill O'Reilly or um, and uh, or some type of mob tie mm-hmm. or something that had to do with uh, you know Philly or Detroit or you know just it, it's where I'm from right mm-hmm. and I think people are you know when you when you leave home um, you know those are the type of things that uh, that kind of take you back a little bit but uh, man I had a I, I was very fortunate man where I grew up, who I grew up around, but, uh, man, Schmitty, I tell you, it was, it, it was neat, but that's my, uh, yeah, that's my tie to the mob. Just my old man and the guys he played. Handball. Say, that, did, did dad's, the dad's that, handball that, team man. win all the time? Oh, oh man, Schmitty, there would be handball tournaments in Erie, Pennsylvania and all over Detroit. You know, Detroit does a three wall, you know, oh, no wow. back wall. You want to talk about athletes and, uh, but I remember growing up as a kid just watching these guys play handball, four wall, and, you know, uh, I mean, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean, they'd have tournaments. They'd, they, they'd last all weekend long. Guys would be coming from all over uh, the Northeast. They had sponsors. I mean, same thing with softball. The, you mm-hmm. know, the steel mills and the factories had, you know, they had, they had softball teams. Uh, handball teams. It was uh, it was just a it was a <laughs> it was a neat time. 
neat time to be alive. And, you know, I always tell folks, I think, I think my generation in my hometown grew up exactly like their parents, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't change. It was, <laughs> you know, Erie, Pennsylvania was the, in 1985 was exactly the same in 1955. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was neat, but that's, uh, you know, that's all we knew, man, you know, but, uh, it was, uh, it was a great town, great place. And, you know, it was it was uh it was a it was a good time to good time to grow up. But uh yeah, I was uh I hung out with the old timers at the horseshoe on, on Friday nights, you know, you go to the high school games and just you know, it's funny, those old timers, I look back, they were younger than me now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, so uh that's uh that was those are those are those are my ties. Just kind of the just the, the thing that intrigues me. It's just part of you know where I grew up, and uh, you know like everything else, just kind of takes me back home. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Well, Kaz, we've hit football. We've talked mafia. I got about a couple minutes here. What got you into Corvettes? Because I've got uh, between my father being a vet guy <laughs> uh, and uh, cousin Dino being a vet guy, we've uh, we've talked some vets. I, I always got to look at my dad's vet. I never got to ride in it. Oh man, you're missing out. Well, he didn't, he didn't, old, bless, old bless his soul, he didn't trust me driving it, so that was more of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, oh, I love you, Schmidt Rock, but I wouldn't trust you either, bud. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, same thing. Me and my, I had a, I had an uncle. My, you know, my grandfather on my mom's side, yeah, worked in the um, worked in the car factories, and uh, my great my dad's side, you know, he was a uh, he was a welder, and um, you know, just the Detroit. Uh, connections and my uncle had a garage where he restored vets and uh, wow. as a kid don't you know don't don't tell uh, sister Bernadette but I'd skip I'd skip grade school every every once in a while at St. John the Baptist and uh, I'd go hang out my my grandfather would pick me up and uh, we'd go hang out at my uncle's garage and it was just part of you know just part of the culture mm-hmm. and just uh, you know when I grew up cars were still important to uh, to the dudes and uh, you know girls like guys that uh that uh, that had nice cars and fast cars and cool cars and and you know girls didn't drive in my town yet you pick them up you know and uh that's kind of that's kind of how it was man and uh but uh you know and, and as i grew up and and you know did okay got a little money i i got i got nicer and nicer stuff but i, I learned how to work on some stuff just mm-hmm. i'm sure as your father took because when you're young and broke you're always fixing that stuff, but um, yeah, I'm a big, uh, big fan of the the city of Detroit. You know, the arsenal of democracy, and just, just uh, you know, the the town that I grew up. There was a there was a culture. You know, there was a culture of cars, and you know, I sold my last vet uh, in uh, what 2018, just because uh, you know, as the kids got older, you know, I'm taking one with me the the whole, <laughs> the whole time, so. Uh, so I uh, finally got some four-seater cars, but uh, you know I like that high-performance stuff. So I, I'm down to one Schmidt Rock, though. It's all I got. So, what, do, what do you uh, have? I'm down, what do you have? I'm down. I, I got a '67 Camaro RS convertible. Oh, so nice. I just I, I sold. I had a '63 uh, and a half Ford 427. You muscle car guys will know that that car and. Uh, you know, it's a high compression car, which thirteen to one compression with uh, you know two four barrel carburetors, not very street friendly. So, 
so uh, that wasn't a whole lot of fun driving the family around to go get ice cream. So now I got I got a drop top Camaro, and uh, I flip them pretty quick. I get bored, I enjoy the hunt, and then I get rid of them. So so I bought something that uh, when I need to get a oh when I can't need to get rid of it quick, it'll it'll go. It's a popular model. So yeah, man. So uh, yeah, I sent you those pictures. I'll send you the pictures of the Good. Camaro. But, uh, yeah, sweet. Just uh, you know, like everything else, just like just like the mob and and crime and handball and great Italian food and the cars. It's just all part of the culture where I'm from. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hail Var City Radio. Guys, we'll do this again, man. It was fun to chat, fun to talk football, handball, mafia, and uh, <laughs> and, and cars. But you be good. You too, brother. Always, man. Appreciate you having me on. He's in his thirties. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery and a lot of Nebraska connections with Tampa's. Super Bowl win, and we welcome in with Boys Town, Aaron Groff, uh, and uh, at the time, Shaq was at Boys Town, Shaq Barrett, uh, phenomenal ball player. Uh, his wrestling and football coach was Aaron Groff, and we welcome in Coach Groff. Coach, thanks for a few minutes with Hale Varsity. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, appreciate your time, and uh, a lot of... Uh, folks enjoyed the Super Bowl. Some didn't that were Chiefs fans, but I know this is the second rodeo for uh, for Shaq winning a, a title. Did so with Denver, now with Tampa. And, and Coach Groff, I want, I want you to kind of paint the picture, if you can, of, of Shaq Barrett for my listeners and take me through kind of his, his backstory before Boys Town. Well, um, <clears throat> Shaquille came to us when he was 15 years old. Um, his older brother, Kevin, uh, was out here with us prior to Shaquille actually coming out. Uh, so Baltimore has uh, some delightful challenges, and there's some environmental risk hazards that come along with growing up in that area. So when some of those things presented themselves, uh, the Barretts made the decision to send Shaquille out here with us also. So... Um, we were lucky enough to uh, have both Kevin and Shaquille be a part of our program at Boys Town. And, and uh, you know, from the time that Shaquille arrived at 15 years old, he, he really dug in, understood workers always win, which is one of our concepts, one of our pillars. And he just did a really nice job of uh, really making himself a student athlete. We are talking with uh, Aaron Groff uh, on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Coach Shaquille Barrett in Boys Town football and wrestling. And when we talk about the workers always win, that has been Shaquille Barrett's story, right? I mean, just with not only his time at Boys Town, but the opportunity at the next level. What was Barrett's personality like, and what were you able to? to see from him not only in wrestling but on the football field the the numbers and the stats speak for themselves when he was at Boys Town but just what growth did you see from from Shaquille and kind of take me through that time in your life with him yeah uh, 
you know, he's an exceptional athlete. There's no doubt about that. But he's probably not near the athlete that most think he is. Um, when you look at measurables, vertical jump, uh, 225 reps, all of those things that are measurables, that combines and in the league, like he's really, you know, not not exceptional when it comes to some of those things. But Shaquille really was a worker. Um, and when he came to us, uh, he, he, he really didn't look the part necessarily in terms of what you might think uh, a linebacker would look like. He played D-line for us. And then after that first fall, he dropped down to 215 pounds to wrestle, uh, wrestle 215s for us and really just started becoming a lot more athletic. Uh, at the time, we had a strength coach by the name of Sheck Fall, and I think uh, Coach Fall was extremely high level. Did some really nice things with Shaquille, and as a result, you could see the transformation kind of taking place from a very good athlete to an exceptional athlete. How has resiliency driven Shaquille Barrett? How did it drive him through his adversity uh, coming to Boys Town and then having the opportunity to to thrive at Boys Town, and how did, did those moments help shape him for beyond football and, and school at Boys Town? Well, I think resiliency is really the message here. I think uh, you've got a young man who had an opportunity to hit the quit switch at numerous times throughout his athletic career, and he just kept going. And, uh, you know, whether that be... Uh, adversity certain times at Boys Town that he just kind of kept going and persevering or whether that being when UNO dropped the football program or or graduate you know being done at Colorado State and uh, being undrafted but making the practice team for the Broncos and just you know he just is a process guy who takes it one step at a time um, and he's resilient and when 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 you look at it as a whole, he's probably one of the most resilient people that I've encountered in a long time. And it bodes well for where he's at right now because uh, he's kind of overcome a lot of obstacles. Aaron Groff is with us, and he was uh, Shaquille Barrett's football and wrestling coach at Boys Town Admissions Coordinator now. And uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, one of the main reasons Tampa's world champs again. And he's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. With uh, with 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 Shaquille, kind of speak to that process, having a, a close view of him, if you could, as to how he was able to mature and and navigate. We've seen the the professional product. But moments in his life where you mentioned the quit switch, right? And and that's that's a danger out there for him to keep going. Um, why do you think he's been able to, to thrive so well? I think that Shaquille has done a nice job, and no one really talks about this too much, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, he's really created a balanced approach to his life. And I guess what I mean by that is um, Jordana and the kids play a major role in who Shaquille is. He's someone who is grounded in faith. He's grounded in family. And he's someone that along the way 
when adversity would come up, um, I think that those things served as a redirect for him a little bit. Um, I also think that even when successes happened and there weren't setbacks, that uh, the humility, the faith, and the family peace all played a role in him continuing to get better and not just being satisfied where he's at. Uh, those, are, those are things that I think sometimes people overlook, but the fact that he's so grounded in, in faith and family and he is so humble. I just think he continues to work. He continues to get better all the time. And, you know, sometimes that's a little bit of an anomaly when it comes to, you know, people in the league. He's had to grind and earn every step of the way, uh, Coach Groff, it sounds like. And that was at, at Boys Town. And then that was at the uh, Division Two level with UNO. And then... He gets a shot at Colorado State. What do you remember about that time where there was no longer Mav football? And what do you remember about Division One programs and their interaction with, with Shaquille? Was it just Colorado State or were there other suitors? There were some other suitors. And even, you know, when Shaquille elected to go to UNO, he had some opportunities from D1 programs. But uh, at that time, uh, his brother Kevin was going to wrestle at UNO, and uh, you know, quite honestly, I think Shaquille wanted to stay close to Kevin. Mm-hmm. When they dropped that program, it forced both the kids to um, kind of create their own paths and go their own way. Uh, and Shaquille did, and he wound up at Colorado State, and, and you know, did did phenomenal things there as well. But. Um, yeah, there were definitely other suitors, but I think that he did a nice job of navigating the right fit. And then when we talk about the opportunity of the NFL, can you get to the NFL? Possibly. Can you stay? That's the key. And what was Barrett's approach, Coach Groff, with the Denver opportunity? I mean, you go from the adversity of home life and then you find your way to Boys Town and then you fast forward UNO to Colorado State and now here's an opportunity just down the road from Fort Collins to to be with Denver and I mean it didn't happen right away for him he's one of those guys that had to fight for practice squad spots yeah I mean he he was he was excited to be on the practice squad and uh, I actually remember being out there with him when he was fighting to be on the practice squad and um, it, it starts with him with um, a little bit of a detailed focus with diet and nutrition. And I think uh, he had some help with that, with some professionals, but also with his wife, Jordana, who kind of, uh, they took a look at diet, nutrition, and whatever they could do to try to, to maximize his opportunities to, not number one, make the practice squad, and then number two, have a chance to, you know, be on the, on the 53-man roster. And that happened for him, and he just kept kind of, kind of working and working. And um, again, even once he made the roster, there was, there was, no piece of Shaquille that was just satisfied. His goal was then to get on the field, and once he got on the field, his goal was then to get, you know, quality reps at backer. And once that happened, then he wanted to start, and he had goals, and he. Uh, he never was satisfied. He never stopped working. He just kind of kept grinding and finding his way to the next piece. 
Coach uh, Aaron Groff with us, uh, head of admissions at Boys Town, but uh, was Shaquille Barrett's wrestling and, and football coach. Uh, what a story for Barrett, a second Super Bowl with Tampa. Coach, about 90 seconds left. Have you had any interaction with Shaquille since Sunday night? And how are you and how are the Boys Town fam- community feeling here with, with Shaquille's story and, and success? Everyone around Boys Town so excited for Shaquille. Um, the entire village of Boys Town couldn't be more proud. And we're proud of the two Super Bowl championships that he has, but we're also proud of the fact that um, Jordana and Shaquille have really made it <clears throat> a point to look for opportunities to provide service to others and for those who are a little less fortunate. Uh, they did it in Denver. They've done it in Tampa Bay. And the fact that they're still looking for ways to impact their communities and help kids, um, I think the village of Boys Town is probably just as proud of that as they are the two Super Bowl rings. But um, it certainly has provided a a great deal of enjoyment and excitement for a lot of our kids who are on campus right now. And we're just uh, glad that we could be a very small part of it. Well, what a story. uh, What a success and continued success to... Uh, Shaquille Barrett and how he does things continued success to, to Boys Town and Coach Groff thanks for what you've done and what you do do and uh, thanks for the time with Hale Varsity today you bet Chris it's been a pleasure thanks for having me chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com just try me try me back to Hale Varsity Radio Back with you, Tail Bar City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Many thanks to Coach Aaron Groff of Boys Town. Awesome perspective on Shaquille Barrett. And got a list from ESPN of the top 50 free agents out there. And Levante David and Shaquille Barrett both on there. Barrett comes in at number 15. And you look at what was paid for Shaq Barrett uh, this year by uh, Tampa. $15 million deal that was coming off a 19 and a half sack performance in 2019, where he led the NFL in sacks, eight sacks this year. He had Jason Pierre Paul, of course, on the other side, but you can't put a, a price tag on the, the three sacks against Aaron Rodgers in the uh, NFC Championship. And, and of course, uh, it was all day Tampa uh, in the Super Bowl. So let's fast forward over to the quarterback discussion. We'll get to our NCAA crop report on the Big Ten here before we're done. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Cards on the table. Uh, I don't think there's a Russell Wilson jersey Jr. does not have. The fluorescent, the navy, the gray, the road white, the old school, normal navy. Jr.'s a big Seahawks guy. And he's got his dad's temper when his sports teams don't do well. That's on me. Mama doesn't fall too far uh, out of that uh, that radius with with frustration. And I, I've got to sit him down a lot of times and say, you went 12-4 and four in arguably the best division in football. Again, heading into this year. And, and Russell Wilson, you... Heard him on a Zoom meeting with the Sports Center updates, was on Dan Patrick, and 
Russell Wilson's voicing his frustration about the number of times he's been hit in his career. In the last nine seasons, Russ has been sacked damn near 400 times. Okay. And he got whacked 47 times this last season. That's number three. He has three years left on a four-year, $140 million extension signed through April of 2019. Trading Wilson before June 1st would trigger almost $40 million in dead money charges to Seattle. And only Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson got sacked more. So who is Russell Wilson? Is he a phenomenal player? Absolutely. Could he, should he, would be a, a two-time Super Bowl champ instead of one? Yes. So I look at, at Russell Wilson, and I look at, at what were some of his shortcomings this year. Well, his run game is, is hit or miss. They've been injury-prone in the backfield. He's got two Pro Bowl tackles or a couple of Pro Bowlers on the offensive line, so they have upgraded his offensive line post-Super Bowl run. There was a time where Seattle was drafting guys and then flipping them to tackle because of body type. So they were absolutely hodgepodging. Don't forget, Russell got paid and the Legion of Boom went goodbye. Okay, They, they chose to spend money and that's the d- deal you make in the NFL. Do you pay the quarterback you drafted in the third round uh, or do you go keep that defense together and that defense is not together. You have Wagner, and and that's about it. So, should Russell Wilson be complaining about getting hit? He has the absolute right to do that. Should Russell Wilson voice that? Yeah, I want I want more decision in personnel. Well, great, but you've done that now after Deshaun Watson's already piped up. You sure are not leading with your chin. And I ask you this, as a football fan, is Russell Wilson a guy you're going to tune into and watch? Yeah, because he's athletic, he's fun, he's big time. But should they win more? 12-4, and four, yay, great. That, that's, that's winning a division. They also got beat against the Rams. He was 11-27 for 27 with an interception. 40 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, nothing to sneeze at. He's got DJ, DK Metcalf. He's got good receivers. And I think his defense is all right. But in, in the, the losses, in the four losses, you have eight of the 13 interceptions where I think a little ego got involved, specifically when you look at the Arizona results or the Rams results. Five of those eight interceptions uh, trying to outduel Murray. I mean, they single-handedly could put that game on Russell's decision-making. Yeah, he threw for 33 completions and 380 yards, but he had three just killer picks. And sometimes, look, that's going to happen in the NFL. But they were 0-1 against the Bills. They were 1-2 against the Rams. They split with Arizona, who just missed the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. They beat Miami. But they their, their schedule was not horrific. I don't know how concrete 12-4 and four is, in comparison to what I, I see Green Bay doing or or New Orleans without big play Michael or or Breeze for part of the season. And then I look at Tampa, who was at seven and five at one point and then got hot. 
So I think this is this is maybe the beginning of divorce for Russell Wilson. And, and financially, maybe they can't do it this year. But for him to go public like this and be honest, which I, I commend, is not good. They just blew out his offensive coordinator. Don't know if that was with his help, if he was consulted or not. But I look at Seattle, and, and I don't know how wide open that door is for them anymore. I mean, the, the Rams just got rid of the quarterback that beat you two out of three times. Okay? And what are you going to do about your interception numbers? More help with the rushing attack would be better. A little bit better on defense would be preferred. Yes, 47 sacks is unconscionable. But I'll say this, and, and, and the NFL did a numbers run on Russell Wilson. And do you put all of the sack numbers on that offensive line? I don't, because when we talk about snaps and dropbacks, it was pretty good protection 61% of the time. Now there's 30-plus percent of the time that, no, you're having to run for your life. That's also what makes you special because you're so good with your mobility. But every time I watch Russell Wilson, there are some incredible plays that I see from him. But when I see Russell, I see him a lot of times trying to do too much. And I see him holding the football too long. And I see him trying to extend the play and get the big play. He's better than many quarterbacks at just throwing it away if it it isn't there. But we're in a conversation now with Mahomes and his ability to extend plays to Sean Watson, his ability to extend plays, Josh Allen, and how fabulous he is in Buffalo. Uh, we'll wait and see. If it, and, and then there's Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't run a lot, but, man, he is so mobile with what he can do. And, and Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers has been tremendous. So... Is Russell Wilson in that conversation of top quarterbacks statistically and that he's been a winner? Yeah, but he's not from a recency standpoint, in my opinion, with some of those other quarterbacks. You can complain. Is he trying to break the door down or is he just trying to get some results? Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Tuesday. Tomorrow we'll check in with George Darlington and Andy Markowski. Mike Babcock and Shuey will be with us. Good stuff today from Coach Kaczynski. Love chatting with him. Mitch Sherman, fantastic and really awesome to get a chance to meet and talk with uh, Shaquille Barrett's high school wrestling and football coach from Boys Town, the Boys Town Impact for Shaquille Barrett. And uh, Aaron Groff was with us. Get the podcast, log on, uh, hailvarsity.com, the iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify uh, platforms will have the show up there for you. And on demand, ESPNLincoln.com, not only where you stream us, but also can get those uh, one-on-one interviews. So check those out. Da- Damon Barr will have those up. Find Damon on Twitter at Damon Barr. That's two R's. Uh, follow on ESPN Lincoln. 
and uh, can find uh, me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio, 466-377-6800-825-5865. So crop report is as follows with the Big Ten and uh, per bracketology right now for basketball. Uh, won't be that big a shock to have <laughs> nine nine Big Ten teams right now dancing. Minnesota's a nine seed. Purdue's a five. Iowa's fallen to a four. And Hawkeyes can absolutely look like a two or a one seed. But the Big Ten's just been that rugged. Uh, Whiskey's at a five. They come to Lincoln tomorrow night. Rutgers in at a six. Indiana is trying to hold serve as a 10 seed. These are early February projections. Illinois up to a two seed. You have uh, Ohio State as a one seed along with Michigan. And the uh, the last four out, Penn State included in on that. The next four out, Maryland. Maryland has wins at Illinois, at Iowa. And uh, I think they've knocked off, excuse me, I think they've beaten Iowa, but they've won at Minnesota as well. So they have in, insanely high-ranked wins, but then there's been some, some missteps along the way. So Big 10 with nine, Big 12 with seven, KU's, I know they won last night, but man, they're, they're spiraling. Uh, SEC with six, ACC only with six, and Pac-12 with five. It's going to be interesting to see if Michigan State puts a run together and then you have what you have out there. I mean, Northwestern's absolutely faded. There's Nebraska. And I I don't know if Nebraska gets, I think they'll continue to get closer to a win. I think hopefully they recalibrate and we'll see what they do against Wisconsin. Turnovers have been brutal. 18 in, 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 in 16 uh, against Sparty in Minnesota last night. We'll see if Coach Hoiberg gets guys to start listening and executing a little bit further. It's just been wacky because it is the meat of the conference. Uh, right now, Carolina's clinging to a 10 seed, which that's weird to say, and Duke is Duke. You'll have this option as the Big Ten basketball tournament's been moved to Indianapolis from Chicago. That statement was earlier today. But it'll be funny. Teams that weren't going to, air quote, be in anyway, they'll pull the opt-out card. Maybe especially in Durham. Tomorrow, we'll get back at it. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Thanks for listening.